Hey everybody, it's your old pal Mitch Halleck, producer of Connecticut's Terrific Comic Con and CT Gamer Con, both happening at Mohegan Sun. And I just want to let you know, if you're not following us on the almighty social network, you're missing out on a bunch of stuff. So you can follow me on Twitter at It's Terrific Con. That's I-T-S-T-E-R-R-I-F-I-C-O-N. It's Terrific Con. And if you're into gaming, make sure you check us out on Twitter at CT Gamer Con. That's C-T-G-A-M-E-R-C-O-N. And as always, you can look for us on Facebook at Terrificon and CT GamerCon, and we're even on Instagram. So do me a favor and follow me there. Plus, check out my brand new show on YouTube, Mitch and Ed's Excellent Adventure, where we go every two weeks and look back at the things you love, TV, movies, toys, and more. That's Mitch and Ed's Excellent Adventure. Now sit back and get ready for another episode of the Power Cosmic Podcast. Thanks. You're listening to Terrific Con presents the Power Cosmic Podcast, the only podcast dedicated to everything you love. That's comic books, TV, movies, collectibles, and more. Brought to you by Mitchell A.S. Halleck, the producer of Terrific Con, the world's greatest comic con every summer at the Mohegan Sun in Uncasville, Connecticut. Join Mitch and his special guest, Jerry Ordway, and his pals all across the comic fandom as they talk about the things you love. Now, sit back, get ready, and listen to today's episode of the Power Cosmic Podcast. Hey everybody, it's your old pal Mitch Halleck from Terrific Con. That's If you want to follow me, I never thought about doing this on the show after all these years, but you could go and check me out on Twitter at It's Terrificon. That's my handle. And joining me is somebody who also has a very exotic handle, the one and only Jerry Ordway. Jerry, what's your Twitter handle? It's uh, Bill at... <laughs> it's <laughs> just Jerry Ordway. I know, right? It's real hard. Is it like... It's just... There's no underscore, no not. It's just one word, right? Like Elvis. Yeah, I think it's just it's. I mean, you know, whatever. I guess you you can see because if you click on it, you'll. I'm not verified, but I right. On the fl- I think I got twenty six or twenty seven thousand followers at this point. That's a lot because uh, the Twitter for Terrificon has about six thousand five hundred, depending on the day. Now, you're, you're a big Twitter guy. You like Twitter as opposed to the other social media platforms like Facebook and Instagram and all that, right? Yeah. I just, I mean, I, I, I can only commit to one. Oh. There's just too much, too much <laughs> time you're, involved. You're not, you're not a, you're monogamous when it comes I to your... I don't play uh, the field. You yeah. don't play the field. You're not a, yeah. a polygamist. I have six different social media accounts and such, but... I know your wife knows that, too. Easy <laughs> now. That's my Tinder. Uh, I have, uh, I have the Instagram... And then I have the Facebook, and because you can tell I'm old, because I just said the Facebook and the Instagram right. and the Twitter. Uh, well, my because, Facebook too, I hear. <laughs> no, but because I I do know just doing some market research that there are different uh, age groups that tend to yeah. go to certain ones. Like I like Facebook only because it was around longer, and you have the photo and you have the text, so it's a little interactive. Yeah. And but I'm told mostly your grandparents go there. That's what my kids tell me. Like 50, forty and up, they they go to the the Facebook. Um, Can I tell you a funny, just a funny anecdote from years ago? Go ahead. 
probably I would say from maybe or whenever maybe two thousand eight or nine or something. Yeah. One of one of my son's friends was over, and uh, they were talking about Facebook and and how much fun it was and everything. And then the one person said, "Yeah, but you know what's the problem is old people are ruining Facebook." <laughs> and it was because their parents were all like signing up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was like old people were ruining Facebook, and and it's funny because Facebook offers you the ability to write an essay as opposed to a couple of lines Yeah, right, at a right, time. right, right. Um, but, you know, I don't really see the big difference. You know, sometimes you, you maybe there's times when you'd like to write an essay, but, yeah. you know, for the most part, how much you got to say? I don't know. I don't know. I see some people I, I write like... reactively in a lot of ways. No, I've seen some people write manifestos on there, but I'm like, I don't want to have a... If I'm going to spend that much time, I might as well go read a novel. You know what I mean? I don't want to well, read about it. The other thing is, if you're gonna if you're going to write an essay... You know, I'm sure people still blog. Yeah. You could just do a blog and, and, and attach a link to it or something. Well, I mean, have you found it helpful to interact with fans? Or, I mean, what do you do? Other creators or? Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's all of that. When I go on, I have um, generally check my messages first or, or whatever, you know, people tweets at me or whatever. And uh, if I post artwork, I get feedback. I mean, I'm, I'm just basically free entertainment for people. Yeah. You know, but it is a way to, to keep a connection. You know, it feels immediate in a sense, whereas, I mean, Facebook has that as well. And when I do go on Facebook, if I post art or something, I do get, you know, that instant feedback. It just Facebook seems more of a of a time drain, whereas Twitter, I can kind of jump in and out. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I got to, I've met a bunch of people on Twitter that I then met at conventions and it felt kind of fun in a way because it. You're going to get a sense of people's sense of humor or what have you. Was it limiting when it was only, what, 140 characters? Was it hard to get your thoughts through there in, in such a brief yeah, amount of space? Yeah, because I think in the most, for the most part, you know, you can always do tweet one of two or three or something. You can number them. Yeah. I mean, if you have more. But, but you do, it's like with a comic book. You know, if you're writing dialogue and you go, oh, here's this line of dialogue that's really terrific that this guy's going to say. And then you think, oh, it runs three lines. I can't do that. Right. Cut it down to two lines because otherwise the balloon's too big. <laughs> you know, you don't want to cover up the whole uh, page. So you have to think like that, and that's why I think Twitter. You know, if you start writing too much, it tells you when you go over, so you can go back and eliminate, you know, extra words or whatever. And I think it helps. You know, in that in that way, it helps you make. It's almost like an editor. It makes your uh, comments a little tighter if you're trying to say something. Well, what's the best tool if you want to sell something? Say you had a brand new book or you're a, an artist looking to sell some prints or whatever. What's, your, what's the best one you think to get your name out there? Or it depends on how many followers you have, really. Yeah. I, I mean, look, I'll be honest with you. I think I've had, you know, I, I did my little comic, uh, my Proton, and I did the Messenger that I sold at conventions. And I also put up a link, you know, just for people who weren't going to shows or whatever. And I'll be honest with you, for having 20-some, whatever, 27,000 followers, you know, for the most part, you'd think you'd be able to sell 500 copies of a comic, but that's not that's not true. Um, you know, that's the downside, I think, to social media is that you're giving them entertainment for free. Yeah. You're giving them interaction for free, but uh, you're really, it's very hard to monetize it. I don't know, at least for me. I mean, I, I don't go out there and try to push it, but... You know, my pin tweet is usually on the on my profile. The pin tweet is the 
you know, the first thing you see, and it's the link to buying the comics. Right. Um, so, you know, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you'd think it would be a guarantee of sales, but I don't know, maybe it affects a little bit more for, like, Marvel and DC stuff, you know, where it's not a case of someone having to actually go and do an extra thing and, you know, take out a credit card or whatever and yeah, buy yeah, something yeah. online. Do you but, think, uh, I mean, do it you think... probably th- helps, it helps promoting, like, whenever a book is something I'm working on that is being solicited, I always try to, to remind people because I assume that, you know, more people there are going to either ask a comic store for something or they might special order it. Do you but think things... I, don't know how you buy it. I was going to say over the last year or two, do you think social media, not just the last year, but in the, I don't know, since it's creation in the last 10 years or so, when did it start to get toxic? Or if I'm maybe maybe to start getting anti-social media because it, it does seem yeah. to be kind of volatile sometimes. Like you're afraid yeah. to tell people what the weather is without right. getting in a fight, you know? Right. What do you what do you got against snowstorms? Yeah. No. Suddenly you go, wow, it's really cold out. So you're yeah. against global warming? Like what? Right. No, I didn't say anything about global warming. You know? But I think it's. I mean, I think it's been around because. Uh, you could get people like that on those uh, AOL chat lines or the you know chat rooms and stuff too. I, I think all of it's been, you know, I mean, look, it, it breaks down like a barrier between, and I'm no celebrity, but I mean, I think Twitter breaks down that barrier. Like when you're tweeting and there's a, oh, look, there's Steve Martin tweeting or something, even though he's not answering you personally, <laughs> you know, you feel kind of like, wow, Steve Martin is talking to me. Yeah. I think, I think it breaks down this barrier and, and it does that between most whatever you know situation would be like if you met a congressman or you met yeah. a I mean it's like well this person's famous or is yeah. more famous than me it breaks those barriers down plus you're anonymous so so I think it it brings out the uh, you know the a-hole yeah yeah well you know? my friend Matt Herring uh, he used to do a um a podcast called Secret Identity for years. He said the funniest thing I ever heard because everybody behind the keyboard is the Hulk, but when you meet them in person, they're Bruce Banner. <laughs> because right. suddenly it's like, well, there's that anonymity. They don't know who yeah. you are. And my friend Steve Barker too said that too. He goes, most of the people, if not all of the people on these social medias, Facebook, whatever, they have the uh, the power of anonymity. They don't. You don't know who they are. And they can come out and say something, whereas opposed to you, Jerry Ordway, right. again, you're not like a political official or even me right. as a promoter of a show. I have to be very careful about what I say and what I think about certain things because you you, you, you need – those are the consumers. Yeah, you're, well, you're like a retail business. You're a retail right? business, and you can't come out and say, hey, I'm for this guy or yeah. I think this is stupid because yeah. – Suddenly, you open up uh, Pandora's box. Yeah. You know? See, I mean, I, I went through that, too, and I, I, I started on Twitter, I think, in 2011 or 2012. Yeah. And um, I started out, and I tried to do my best to avoid any kind of politics. And then it became really impossible in the last four years. Right. Because you're, you know, you're actually, it's not a case of, like, oh, you can sit by and be quiet. There's a certain point where it felt really wrong to sit by and be quiet I mean, right. I've always uh, you know comics have always appealed to me because of that truth justice in the American way yeah you know not that I would even I mean truth justice you know and and just the sacrifice right you know and, and so much of that stuff has been challenged online and 
it's hard to ignore it. You know, it's not like I'm going to say I'm going to advocate for you to go out and march or something yeah, like yeah. that. But if I see something that really bothers me, I will just respond to it. You know, I mean, I don't think, uh, again, it's, it's one thing. I don't think my feed on Twitter or whatever needs to be me calling people to arms. Yeah. You know, but but I, this is the world we live in. And right. I think, you know, if. Like I'm, not, I, I there's plenty of people who probably are Trump followers, for example, on mm-hmm. my in my Twitter feed, and if if they're not bugging me, I don't bug them. Yeah, you know. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, no, I I, I, I agree with you because I always look at it. Look, I, I've worked in many companies over the years. I've worked for places that had thousands of employees. I worked for places that had 50 employees. You don't agree with every single thing that your coworker yeah. does off duty or outside of work yeah. or whatever like that, but. You got you got to coexist. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like you—that's just the way the world is. Not everybody's going to yeah. like what you like or or hate what you hate. So, okay, you know, I I always kind of tend to do that and say, hey, you know what, dude? Whatever you believe, that's great with you. Whatever I believe, that's great. There's no need to call somebody out or start a fight yeah. or get abusive with the language just because you have a difference of opinion. Right. It, is, it is what it is, but. Yeah, some people take it too far, and then they start attacking other people. And I've yeah, even I mean, it, I've stopped stuff very, where I said, "Hey, folks, provocative." You know, yeah, like yeah. people. I mean, that's one of the things you're saying. I think that there are people out there, and again, anybody can do it, right? And there's no real consequence to doing it. So, I mean, there's people who are out there trying to start fights. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, and again, it's it's dumb because you know. What, what's gained from it? What? I, that's why I always go. It's such a waste of energy because, I mean, yeah. you're going to focus on that for maybe hopefully not too long. But sometimes it turns out to be an all-day obsession because somebody yeah. said something yeah. to you and you can't get it off your mind. And then all the other things you had planned to do, something more constructive, now that's gone out the window right. because you're all fired up and mad about this right. Right. anonymous person. At the other end of it, because they said, well, you know what, Jerry, you suck. <laughs> You're like, well, you know what, you suck. And then it just starts right. getting stupid. It's like, why am I, well, I mean, bothering my favorite, I'm again, My favorite is still, and again, it, 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 even when I wasn't posting political stuff, yeah. I would sometimes retweet stuff that I thought was, you know, uh, was at least it was funny to me. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to retweet this, yeah. uh, making fun of a politician or whatever. And I've had, you know, occasional people would say, why I never knew you were, you know, you stood for this, and I can, I'll never buy another comic that you, you know, you draw. Yeah. And and it's just it's just a funny. I mean, it's not funny, but it's annoying in a, in its own way. But it's amusing because you know my rep- reply is always, well, what was the last thing you bought of mine? You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it, it really, you, you know, you could prove it. Yeah. And say, yeah, I bought, you know, whatever you did last year. Right. But I know people. You know, it's it's just a it's a it's such a hollow, empty threat. Yeah. Um, well, it, it doesn't even have to be political. This the other day, I made an innocent little tweet because I was reading the visionary, or I think it's Visions by uh, Tom King, mm-hmm. and it's a graphic novel, and it was a twelve issue Marvel series because the new WandaVision thing's out there, you know. Right. And I'm reading the the credits, and real quickly, I noticed that there was a a scene where there's a funeral, and somebody sent some flowers to the uh, the the people that were. were uh, grieving and i noticed the name of the uh the, on the card said flanagan smith and suntress now suntress is not a common name like smith or jones and right. i thought of immediately john suntress who's the word right. balloon and he's also a terrific on as our panel host but he's good friends with tom king 
who wrote the book. So I've said, oh, that must be Tom King's way of saying, hey, look, here's my buddy John. And I asked Suntress, and he was on the call, and he said, oh, no, I didn't even know about that. So I took a picture and sent it to him, and he forgot about it, didn't even see it. And I just wanted to verify. And Tom King goes, oh, yeah, 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 that that, that was meant for John as a quick shout-out because he's been you know, a good supporter of mine over the years. And then somebody jumped on it and kind of, you know, slapped me. Well, why didn't you mention the artist's name? He was, he's, Tom King's only the co-creator. I go, look, I, I wasn't trying to slight the artist at all. I just wanted right. to ask if that Suntress was meant for John Suntress. Right. That's all it was. And King's like, yeah, that's all. And then it just turned out to be a little bit of a thing, not a mountain or yeah. a molehill. But yeah. I don't know what ticked that guy off. And I'm like, I'm not slighting the artist, dude. I'm he's asking probably an artist. This. Yeah, probably an artist. <laughs> yeah. He's just touchy. Yeah. I mean, it, but it does happen, and that's what I was telling you yesterday right when you messaged me. It it happens more often than not that you'll see a whole thing, and then the artist doesn't get mentioned. And yeah. Here's to give you a good example. I've been watching, rewatching Fringe, um, which was a Fox show. Yep. J.J. Um, Abrams created whatever. It's a really good show, and I really liked it. So I've been watching it with my daughter, and the I think the fourth season there were some extras, and one of the extras was Joshua Jackson played one of the leads in this thing yeah he wrote apparently wrote a seven issue miniseries that was a fringe miniseries that dc published in between season three and four that had apparently was some stuff that was going on that wasn't seen on the on the screen basically like filling in story stuff and i thought well that's cool i don't really remember that happening but i i I, you know it was kind of neat but then he just starts talking about how wonderful it was to come up with ideas and have the artist you know, make this, make these pages and yeah. stuff. And I'm like, okay, if you mention the artist's name, yeah. that would mean so much for, to that artist. Right, 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 right. And, and he doesn't mention the name. He just says the artist. And I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> you know? And you were like, I'm right like here. You're throwing and little... a bone to somebody. If, you, if you're, you're thrilled with the idea that this guy can take your words and turn them into, yeah. you know, graphics, yeah. you know, you could throw a throw him a bone well you know, I, I happen to have that about. I, I happen to have that fringe comic book right here and I'm going to open up the uh, masthead here uh, <laughs> written by Joshua Jackson and art by Jerry Ordway what the hell <laughs> <laughs> no I think it was I'm, I'm going to say it was Oscar Jimenez or something like that I can look the guy it up. Who'd done who who'd done other stuff yeah it was just you know I just saw it because they show the graphic and that's the other thing is you know on screen they show the graphic, and that's from that graphic. I'm going, oh, DC published that. Oh, look, there's the. And I think, you know, the entire team was listed in there. And it's like, well, why can't you just say the guy's name? I mean, if, you know, you're doing this interview. It's not like he's doing the interview now. Right. Ten years later, where right. you could maybe go, oh, I forget his name or something. But it just, it, those are the type of slights that are, are pretty. The artist you know, on common. it. Well, you know what, though, Jerry? I'm looking on. Um... I'm looking on Amazon. Yeah. It's called Fringe Beyond the Fringe Paperback. It's a trade. Uh, right. September 11, 2012. Author Joshua Jackson. Artists, illustrators, various. Yeah. So yeah, see, this was, various uh, guy's getting a lot of work out there. <laughs> but see, that's the problem. Well, that, that, this that, is that, Amazon. This is the waiting, Amazon but, listing on it, you know? They don't have it saying, listed. That's, that's why people. That's why people get up in arms over over it. Oh, here we go. Here we go. It's generally, a slight. It's it's Jorge Jimenez. It was colored yeah, by okay. Randy Mayer, and the covers were by Drew Johnson. So I went and looked yeah. it up. So yeah. there you go. I'm just saying, you know. No, I, I hear like, you. 
Those type of slights are always kind of painful because all it is is a couple of words to say somebody's name, you know? Yeah. Um, or to, to credit somebody. And that happens on, I mean, that's been happening since the internet started and the internet was able to put pictures on a screen. Right. You know, is that uh, writers would have blogs and they would populate their, or, you know, jazz up their blog with, with graphics and they would never, you know, credit the, the artist's well, speaking of credit, before I go too far, I want to make sure I mentioned The Vision was by Tom King with art by Gabriel Walta, Gabriel Hernandez Walta, W-A-L-T-A. I think I'm saying that right. So just want to make sure I cover my bases there. Don't want to... Yeah, well, I, I wanted to read that. I, I know. I'll give you the trade well, next time I see you. I just finished okay, it. Yeah, it's not I, long. I wanted, I, I, said, I, I wanted to read it, but I also didn't want to read it while the show was going. No, it doesn't. It might be spoilers. No, it's it's not really because I thought that was going to happen, but not really. And it, yeah. and the thing of it is, um, Kevin Feige said he saw a lot of the covers yeah. of this uh, miniseries, and it had a lot of like the vision in suburbia wearing a suit and tie right. with his kids, like a Norman Rockwell type of painting, and that's what inspired the look of the show. But story-wise, there's really not a lot in the graphic novel that's on the screen, so you're not really. Well, they always, yeah, they always do their own thing with with, yeah. with stuff like that, based yeah. on source material by such and such. But, but. it's been fun so far. I've, yeah. I've enjoyed the. the and that's the other thing too. Speaking of real quick about social media, social media had a field day with the first two episodes, or even first episode. Of right. WandaVision, oh, this is Marvel's misstep, but this is the worst right. thing ever, Rotten Tomatoes, it hates this, this, and that. I go, listen, right. it's part one of, I'm assuming, like an eight-part story. I don't, I don't know how yeah. many episodes it's going to be. it's supposed to be nine. But yeah. Maybe nine or something like that. You've only watched, and they're only 20-minute shows. They're not like an yeah. hour-and-a-long show. So if you put it all together and watch it in one sitting, it'll make sense, but you're only getting yeah. bits and pieces of it. So calm the hell down, Internet, right. you know? They're well, all waiting for Goliath people, people to stumble. Are, that's what I think. They're like all waiting people, for But people, people review stuff based on the trailers. So, yeah, you know. I know. The Godzilla versus uh, King Kong thing dropped yesterday. Yeah. And I would say, well, it looks stupid. I'm not watching it. Blah, 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 blah. I'm like, okay, well, whatever. You know. Yeah, I just, I mean, again, but you're, that's part of that. You know, it's not, it's, it's negativity in that you're basically giving everybody a platform and not everybody wants to be online talking well, about what do they you, like either. Th- do you think that's the downfall of social media? That every I call it sometimes every nutcase on the corner with a tinfoil hat that used right. to scream and yell the end is near now has a Facebook or Twitter handle. Yeah. So, I mean, everybody's well, you know, got it right. And it, it, it's, it's, it's kind of, I, I got to be honest with you, as much as I like the internet so I can click on something and find out who that yeah. artist was on that book within seconds or right. order uh you know, a toy or a comic right. book or whatever. I do believe it's one of the worst things that's happened to this world in the last yeah. 20 years because it has made so many anti-social yeah. behavior acceptable. Well, it's not funny. It's become, you know? But it also, what you're saying, though, as far as being uh, giving every tinfoil hat conspiracy theorist a, a, a platform, not only that, but it gives every tinfoil hat conspiracy conspiracy theorist a place to be riled up, yeah. and, and, and you know what I mean. That's it's like, you know, in the again the old days. Yeah. You had a few cha- a few channels. You had ABC, NBC, whatever. You didn't have channels that were targeted specifically towards an interest. Yes. Yes. And the, the you know the promise of the internet is that we can target your interests. You know, so you see ads that, of things that you want to buy. 
you know, you see only content that you choose. Yeah. And that's different than what we grew up with in that, I mean, the news media. Well, is that a good thing or a bad thing? a good thing or a bad thing? What's that? Is that a good thing or a bad thing? No, I think it's I think it's a negative, but it's it could be a good thing. I mean, in, in practice, the idea of it's not bad. It's just the problem is, you know, you like uh, cornflakes for breakfast every morning. Do you want to eat cornflakes for breakfast every morning? You know, I mean, it, it's you. A lot of things happen when you see things that you're then you might not normally watch or, or or read something that you might not normally read. Yeah, you know, you wind up. Hey, I enjoyed that. I wouldn't have sought that out specifically but gee that was good you know right. that that's the the good thing about variety and and about the old days of of watching tv is that you know i watched a ton of 1930s movies right that imprinted on me that i probably wouldn't have watched if i'd grown up in the 90s or the 2000s oh yeah absolutely i would have yeah. had cartoon network and i would have had other options so i mean that's the downside the downside is that it it's it narrows your focus so much that you are closed off to not only other people's ideas, but you're closed off to other cultures and other, you know, I mean, that's, and that's perfect for somebody to preach to, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's where you get into the jingoistic uh, political stuff, you know, the, uh, uh, the American well, way or what have you. I mean, in I, concept, those are good things to me, Yeah, you know, from my comic book, uh, reading or whatever right, but right, right. in reality you know you can love your country yeah and still hate things that it does right you know it's not an all or nothing you know i'm not going to move to france or something because i i hate something i'm going to try to hopefully change it or you know change people's thinking on it well see um, here's the way i look at it i actually just now I used to work in advertising. I used to work for a direct mail company, and then I worked for catalog companies and ad companies and such. So, honestly, and I hope no one out there thinks the podcast is meant to be like a true confessions every week where we're coming out here to give you uh, words to live by. We're not, Reverend Jerry, <laughs> Reverend Jerry Ordway, and and uh, Father Mitch are not really here for your soul. We're not here to save your soul. Preach it, brother. Preach it. <laughs> hey, can I have an amen, Jerry? But. Uh, Honestly, I just be I'd be point blank with you. I don't care how cynical or callous it sounds. This is just a tool. Not that I'm a tool, which most people think so, but this is just a tool in my uh, arsenal right. to promote the shows, to promote Terrificon, right. to promote CT GamerCon. The same thing. The reason why I'm on the radio every week, yeah, the radio is there for entertainment purposes, but it all goes back to selling soap. I mean, right. these shows, your soap operas, hence the name were just little dramas that were put on there to capture the housewives that were at home to, you know, the romance stories. Right. And then right. they put the sporting events on to get dad as he had his beer right. cutting the right. lawn and he wanted to listen to the Dodger game. This this is all promotion. This is all advertisement. Yeah. And as much as you say before, it's entertainment. The content that we provide, whether it's the that YouTube show I do, Mitch and Ed's Excellent Adventure, and the, the Power Cosmic podcast, and it's all... At the end of the day, I'm just trying to remind you that, hey, guess what? Every summer, I'm at Mohegan Sun. There's a great yeah. comic book convention. You can meet all the great artists and writers that made the comic books you know and love, and they're all here, too. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's that's the end of it. I mean, if, if people go, you know, what do you put up there? The only thing I put up there every day to let people know I'm still breathing is pictures of my dog, because I'm pretty <laughs> sure that Harley's uh, not political 
and I won't get any hate mail uh, from the dog. But that's pretty much all I really do on that stuff. I kind of think of some funny things now and then, like observations, like should they call crazy glue crazy glue anymore? Maybe they should just call it uh, off their meds glue just so people don't get offended by that term. That's all. I mean, little quirky things that pop into my head that I think are funny. But I, well, I don't. I, mean, I, I, I didn't use it for my artwork. manifesto. I that's mean, all. I post artwork. I never ask anybody to send me money. No, you I know, saw the other day you fan. posted some that's old Buck Rogers artwork you did as as a fan in the seventies, I think. Yeah. From and I saw Mark Hamill liked it, and I'm like, you know, that's kind of cool. There's Mark Hamill, Luke Skywalker, and he saw oh, Jerry he? Ordway's art. Yeah, I didn't that's, even notice that. That's, that's how I caught funny. it. It says Mark Hamill likes something that Jerry Ordway did. I go, oh my god, I better check this out quick before we're in trouble now. What did Ordway do this time? You know. So, but again, isn't it? That's kind of fun because that would have sat in your portfolio in your basement for years, and no one would ever saw it. And now, it's out there. You know. So. Well, I mean, the the point of like the reason I wanted to get into comics wasn't so I could just draw stuff for myself. It was so that people could see it. You know, and that's the the, the frustrating part about not being on a monthly book or being kind of in the middle of of comics now is yeah. I feel like I post this stuff so people remember you're that still out there but it's also like hey I did all this work and maybe somebody will find it interesting to see it well the other thing is I mean, too you're, like I said it comes down to you're, you're, you're also trying to pay your electric bill yeah I mean I, I I get enough commission requests without all that but I mean like I said it would be nice if I could put out a comic book and have people buy it right you know but that's not a given I mean again you, you know that's I remember this argument back in the uh, days, the early days of the internet. That remember Harlan Ellison make, you know, making some pretty good impassioned points about giving your content away for free, and and I think it's come true in that you know you put stuff up there thinking, oh, here somebody can see this and, and all that, but ultimately, are you undermining your ability to sell things? You know, right, are you right. undermining your and and that you know in the time that we've all been around with the internet facebook is a you know huge company twitter's a huge company google's a huge company i mean everybody that trans transmits all of the images and the thoughts and the you know whatever entertainment joe joe six-pack is going to offer which you know that's what it's about you is people creating content for a company that is getting rich you know, right. as opposed to Warner Brothers or CBS or something creating TV shows to sell advertising, you know, at least they were in on the game, you know. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're really not. Um, but it's a social media, and that's, like I said, the downside of it is it, clearly it can be used to sell more than, you know, cornflakes or whatever. Right, it can right, sell right, you right. political ideas. It can sell you, you know, the people who are obviously smart about it, um, realize that, that that you know like again the tinfoil hats are easily convinced <laughs> you know well have you thought that's really something like some fans not everybody goes like you said not everybody goes to a comic-con and some people aren't fortunate to even live in the united states so they can't see you easily they might live right. in australia or or france or whatever like that so I mean, the benefit or they is could be on a, they could be on one of those server farms in uh, Ukraine, or they could be on those server farms in in Siberia, chained to a desk. Going, me love, I me love some Jerry Odway. Can't wait to get out of the country one day to meet him, shake his hand. But uh, no, I mean, there's that. I mean, if you had like, 
interactions with people have you like said oh you know this guy wrote me a letter just to say thanks mr ordway i'm never going to really meet you but i just want to say a big fan of you know all your work and all-star squadron and all that so no that's one of the the, this is a story i think i've told before but one of the coolest things to me when the internet first came about yeah or when i was first on like i remember it was the CompuServe was you know they had like their chat room yeah yeah and it was before aol it was kind of like parallel. AOL was rising during that time. But I was on CompuServe, and I remember my daughter, it was around, nine, it had to be like 1992. Right. Or late, early 93, maybe. But I was on, uh, she had woken up, and, you know, when you're a parent, you get up at all hours. Oh, God, yeah. Right? So yeah. I was up at like 3, kind of walking her around and trying to get her to go back to sleep. And then I couldn't get back to sleep, so I sat down and I, I logged on to CompuServe, and I wound up having like a little, you know, they were like email chats basically, yeah. back and forth with some guy who named Massimo, who was in Italy, and I thought, wow, that's kind of cool. Yeah. You know, um, and that's still kind of cool in that you do have that kind of window, and you also realize that you know anything I've done for DC for the most part, the DC stuff was always sold pretty effectively in um, other markets. So you find out, oh, I'm popular in South America or I'm popular in Brazil or whatever. You know, it, it's always kind of interesting. I like the fact that I could, a- I could play chess online instantaneously with people around the world and lose just as bad as if they were standing in front of me. <laughs> so, But it's kind of fun. Like if I wake up when the dog takes wants to go out at 3 in the morning and I'm wide awake now, I could press a button and play chess against somebody in Beijing and still make a fool of myself, you know. Yeah. So. Well, no, I mean it, that that's the, the 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 neat thing about it is that it does it does break down um, geographic barriers, you know. But then again, that's also the the Achilles heel. That's how things work. Just like, you know, the internet is a great medium to store information and to you know be a research thing and all that but yet it also you know what's the popular thing on the internet is porn so oh well there's that yeah it becomes like the uh the biggest purveyor of porn you know so there's always some great idea and some lofty ideal about things and it always winds up you know kind of being yeah it's that but it's also this so well, it's funny you say that because somebody said, you know, the biggest advances in medicine always come from a war, you know, right. because during wartime you have to think on your feet and just save people's lives. So that's where they say, hey, you know what, let's uh, restructure that guy's right. aorta and something. The next thing you know, it's a common practice down the street. Or let's come up with plasma because we don't right. have blood for transfusions. Right. And, you know, hey, we've got this new thing where you could record you know, home movies and, you know, watch movies at home. Right. Yeah, Johnny, and I also can make the world a big porn fest. And next thing you know, <laughs> pornography takes off. And, hey, I've America got, and all of yeah, I've got this thing where you can exchange ideas instantaneously. It's called the World Wide Web. Yeah, but I can also sell porn like nobody's business on it. So there you go. And even comic books. Com- if, if Legend's right, it's like uh, I think Chaykin told me, the dis- distribution from the illegal booze runners back in the day during Prohibition, right. when Prohibition became a passe thing right. and booze was legal right. again, they, they had all these routes and these guys like, hey, uh, what are we going to do with all these trucks and stuff? Yeah, we'll start selling uh, newspapers and comic books. Yeah, that's it. And they started dis- distributing <laughs> magazines to stores then, you know? So yeah. I, well, I don't know if that's true or not. Prohibition. No, in Prohibition, they also used to, they used to deliver booze with 
bundles of newspapers and things like that. Oh, is that part of it? I didn't get that yeah, part of and it. Then, and then during the pulp era, the, the racy pulps, you know, basically was the, you know, porn of that era. Oh, yeah. Those racy yeah. porn, you know, pulp magazines were also distributed in that same kind of way. So anytime someone's got a distribution model that works, you know, that somebody else is going to figure out a way to make it, you know, work for them too, so. There's always that element of sleaze attached to it. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, somebody, but look, somebody, it's like with drugs. I mean, people, you know, it's amazing to me with, with all the uh, available prescription drugs that could kill you that people still, you know, want heroin. Buying and, stuff and off the street. Cocaine yeah. and stuff. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's an interesting conundrum. But again, What's the solution? You know, there's you think about solutions for things, and you know that most problems are too big to solve. Correct. But then you, it doesn't mean you shouldn't try. You know right, I mean? I right, think, right, right, right. You know, it's uh, here's getting back to circling back. To I was going to say this is we're off the topic of social media, but that's fine. well, no. But circling back to it, here's another thing: is like and. Somebody, I think it was uh, Sanford Green on on Twitter. That's funny. I just was mentioning his name about an hour ago, but go ahead. It was something about you know it was like a little just a little back and forth, but it was about um, you know not being intimidated by other stuff because yeah. you can basically psych yourself out. It was which is I, I totally agree. It's like you know I look at my place in the comic microcosm and I say, well, does the world need another comic from me? You know, I mean, you look at through previews and you see there's thousands and yeah. you know, thousands of, of things. Or you look at other artists and you go, wow, this guy's so good. And this person's, this, you know, not just guys, but this, this person's really good. You know, how can I compete with that? Or why should I bother or whatever? Well, ultimately, all that stuff is, is there to psych you out. And you got to push it all away and do your own thing. You right. know what I mean? If you want to yeah. do it, you got to do it. That's always been the way oh no it's, yeah. it's always been easy to to psych yourself out you know that any creative person knows that is, is you know we're all living with our self-doubts about whether our work is good or whether right. you know we have something to say or whatever and that uh, well they, know, that lesson is is still there they've you know? they've also done studies with <laughs> with lab rats that compared to uh, a rat getting a treat is somebody getting a like on Facebook? It's like you, oh, yeah. you release the same endorphin. Like they like right, me, right. they really thing. like yeah. me. The little Sally Field comes out of your hippocampus, and suddenly you're like, <laughs> "I feel great." Somebody in Des Moines <laughs> likes me. Right. No offense to Des Moines out there or Desmones, well, I mean, I as just, I say yes, it. Over the weekend, yeah. mainly because I was, I always wind up, you know, looking for something or moving stuff around, and I was like, "Oh, hey, I'll take a picture of this and put it on Twitter." was finding artwork or whatever and uh um so my twitter feed's been really busy yeah all weekend because stuff i posted on saturday is still getting you know interaction yeah, 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 stuff, yeah, yeah. including stuff then i posted a bunch of stuff yesterday so it's like i go on there and there's a ton of messages and i try to like ones i mean yeah. i'll interact with everybody but i try to give a like if somebody says something nice or whatever <clears throat> but you know you, you there's this like massive amount of interest mm-hmm. that you then go okay well you know that's how you grow your followers obviously because right. somebody retweets it and somebody else looks at it or whatever but that's not putting any money in my pocket no. but i'm doing it because of what you were saying there's a there's a it's like you're you're getting your work out there you're showing it to people people are remembering you still exist what have you 
but it also feels like a connection for me to look through all the likes to go, oh, this is fun. You know, someone's mm. still looking at this. So, I mean, that's like you were saying about the endorphin thing or whatever. Yeah, that, yeah. You know, or here's a cookie. Yeah, <laughs> you know, here's a cookie for you. <laughs> no, and sometimes I just like like uh, John Romita Senior's birthday, and I love John mm-hmm. Romita, and I've met him a couple times, and I was like, you know what? God bless him. He's 91, and I'm glad he's still with us and everything with all the stuff going on in the world, and it's yeah. nice to see John still doing well. And I just said, you know, happy birthday to my favorite artist in the world. And he suddenly realized like 7,000 people saw that little quote, yeah. and like I don't know how many – a hundred something liked it or whatever like that. And that just makes you feel good. Cause it's like, Oh, there's other people out there that like John Romita, yeah. his work and he, the fact that he's still here and, you know, energetic and people are like, I got, Hey, where's this taken? And John, he looks great and all that and all this. I'm like, well, right, right. I'm not John Romita. I'm not, he's right. not here, but I'm sure, you know, I know people that know him that can pass on the sentiment, but it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's just, that's the stuff I like. I mean, I like when yeah. you're saying, Hey, you know, so-and-so won an award or their movie's right. number one. And isn't that great? Cause we know that guy or, you know, we've watched him right. work for the years uh, for, and he's, he's getting the success that's much deserved. That's the stuff I like. I don't yeah. like the idiots that come on. Like I, the other day I was driving back from Maryland and I read that Bruce Springsteen's childhood house was up for sale. Right. And I, right. I drive by freehold, New Jersey, every time I go to Maryland and I never stopped in. I said, you know what? There's no traffic on the highway lately because of COVID. <laughs> So I had like, you know, an hour or two before I even was going to get home. I said, you know what? Let me get off exit eight off the Jersey Turnpike and find it because there was the real estate listing. So I drove to it. It was only like 10 minutes out of my way. And there was a little tiny house. I mean, I grew up in a a neighborhood just like it, you know, and church right next door in the corner store. And everybody did around the New Haven area because I thought if you told me I was in downtown Allentown, in West Haven, where I grew up, I would have said, yeah, I know, because that's what exactly what it looked like. And there's this little tiny 900-square-foot house that Springsteen lived in there with his two sisters, his mom and dad, his grandparents, and they moved where? Right around the corner. It's like, right. that's kind of like when I was a kid, we lived right around the corner from my grandparents, and we moved from the house on 91 Fairfax Street to the house on 95 Fairfax Street. Right. We literally moved right. next door. And the church was around the corner. And all the things I read about him growing up, it was like, well, no wonder I like this guy because that's the same thing. So yeah. I took a picture of me standing in front of this house. I said, hey, Springsteen's house is up for sale, 260000 Maybe I'll buy it, you know, make a museum. Because it, it's not like a landmark. It's not like this is right. Mark Twain's house. It's just a little tiny house in New Jersey. And I made a caveat when I posted it because I know Springsteen's kind of controversial sometimes and what he stands for, who his political right. beliefs are. And I didn't want to have a bunch of schmoes come on my page and like, I hate Bruce. He's nothing but right, a liberal right. son of a bitch. And, I go, and so I put it as a caveat. I said, hey, listen, that's one of my heroes. I grew up liking the guy. If you don't like him, keep that on your own page. Don't come to mine and piss in my Cheerios, okay? And everyone kind of held back. And I was like, because I was just looking. I was just, you know, loaded yeah ready with the six-shooter on my hip, all set, like, come on, who doesn't like the boss? I'm taking you out now. I'm going to unfriend you. Oh, my God, how how dreadful is that? It's like, ooh, slap fight, sissy fight, slap, 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 right. slap, slap. But it's so bizarre. You can't say anything like, hey, you know, I like uh, Rocky Road ice cream. What? You know they make that right. with peanuts that they get from Guatemala that they now put the uh, Idaho peanut farmers out of business? No, I I had no idea. I am so sorry. So your knowledge of farming is so impressive. <laughs> Thank you very much, Jerry. But that's the type of thing that like I would have never. Think they can, 
you I know. may be wrong, but I don't think they can grow peanuts in Idaho. <laughs> Listen, Jerry, it's a disappointment. Now, now, right now, because of social media, I'm going to go onto my page, and they're going to say boycott Terrificon because the Idaho peanut farmers are very upset right now. Okay, and I'm sorry, Idaho, for your peanut problems. <laughs> then it gets misconstrued. Mitch Halleck says people in Idaho have penis dysfunction. What? No, I didn't say that at all. So what are you saying? You're against people with penises? No. What are you talking about? And suddenly we've got a flame war and people are fighting. I don't even know if they use that term anymore where they just start firing back at you. That was like a thing. Funny. I don't but you know. know what's funny is that, I mean, those neighborhoods are interesting in that when you look at like West Haven where yeah. I was living when I first moved to Connecticut, I mean, West Haven wasn't really very different from areas in Milwaukee. No, it's um, a factory and, town. And yeah, it's the same thing. It's like the it's not like, you know, Wisconsin or Pennsylvania or New right. Jersey had a unique uh, style of house that they built for their workers. <laughs> you know, no, no, like, no, 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 no. You know, it was a box. It's <laughs> a box. Roof. That's exactly what it yeah. is. It and was maybe like, you yeah. had a porch, you know. You had a porch, had a, a driveway a on the side, a little tree out front. Yeah. But yeah, so that's and that's the, the, the bond with all that is that these were all working class factory towns probably yeah, you know yeah um i liked it It was right down the street from the freehold racetrack which was yeah. just mind-boggling it's like oh there when you lived in west haven I, was quigley stadium still there in allentown was a baseball field um i don't remember okay i, don't, I didn't i think the only the only stuff i remember going through that area just coming from the Merritt park way, yeah maybe yeah you know, well I what it, well, the, there was the forest theater which was like a dollar theater yeah. And, and it was right, on like a little triangle. Yeah, a little right triangle the, road. Yep. And I used to get my hair cut at Rocky's haircut, my shoes at Gabe's shoe store. So like the forest was still open. It was. It was still last, it, it yeah. didn't close down until the nineties. Now it's a parking yeah. lot. But uh right around the corner from there was the Quigley Stadium, and that's where the yeah. West Haven Yankees, which was a farm team of the New York Yankees, played. So as a kid you'd go down there and you'd see minor league ball players that would go up to the majors. And wow. uh it was just weird because it was this big stadium. And then Yale Bowl was not too far yeah, from the my Yale house. Yale Bowl was impressive. I Yale Bowl was past that, thinking, you know. But again, the Yale games would draw huge, huge. Oh, in the day, so it was a big place. It was the first bowl ever made in the country, and at its height in the '30s, when football was all the rage, it was getting like eighty thousand people there, yeah. which is like something yeah. for Giant Stadium. But this is like a neighborhood. Right. You know? Right, and there's not—it's not like there's a giant parking lot to run. No, there. no, no. People were parking on lawns and parking yeah. all over the place. It was crazy, but that's what this was like in Freehold. Like I'm coming down the road, and there's this massive racetrack on my right, and then you take a left, and there's like these little houses across the street. It's like that's kind of weird, you know. But it is what well, it is. Had, when I was growing up in, in uh, Milwaukee during the, the basically, I'm remembering the the NASA years, you know. Yeah. The, space race and all that in the 60s we had like a company alan bradley that made switching i think switching equipment and they did they made stuff for nasa for the uh the various uh, rockets yeah yeah yeah. and uh, they were they had like a they were in our neighborhood and that was you know there was a giant clock they had a clock tower so from from our house or from school or whatever you could look up and see the temperature and you could see the time yeah and uh and it's it's like one of those things as a you know again as a kid it was super helpful yeah because you'd be out playing and nobody had a watch no it was like a you know, landmark know. yeah you were yeah. a kid yeah. so you yeah. know you, you, rather than getting in trouble not being home for dinner or whatever because you're playing baseball or basketball 
Yeah. You know, you could just look up and go, oh, crap, I got to go. <laughs> you know? No, no, we had that. We had the street lights. Like, if you go to the local corner uh, school to play basketball yeah. or something, when you saw the street lights coming on, you knew, oh, better time oh, yeah. to get home, yeah. you know. I'm in trouble. So. <laughs> Anyway, well, as as Jerry and I watch nostalgically here, as old men do mm-hmm. on the show. Wait, so, wait a minute. What? Here's something for you, though. What's that? Did you? I mean, see, where I, where I grew up, my neighborhood had no. They had a, we had a drugstore. Yeah. The drugstore did not sell comics. We had no comic outlet, you know, anywhere in our neighborhood. So when, you know, we never had the option of being able to casually find them. Right. You know, or discover, hey, comics exist or whatever. Right. But uh, I think maybe that was a fallout from the fifties uh, and the uh, oh. comics are bad for you era. Oh, really? Because I was going to say that's where I got my first comics was a pharmacy it was Liggett's. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Liggett's was a chain. I don't know if they yeah. were, but Liggett's Pharmacy in Allentown, Connecticut, or Allentown, which was part of West Haven. Yeah. That's where I remember distinctly sitting in the front seat and my dad going in to get a punch. Obviously, it was illegal, but I was sitting in the front seat alone in a car uh, as my with no seatbelt on. It wasn't on. illegal back then. No, it wasn't. No, no. You're lucky you <laughs> got a car to sleep that, in. Somebody will take that kid off my ass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I left the motor running, too. And I remember my dad going in to get a pack of smokes. And I could see him through the, uh, the light. It was like a Norman Rockwell painting. I wish somebody would paint that because you could see, like, the glow of the, right. the the light from inside because it was like evening and I could see my dad at the counter uh, robbing the place but no he was uh, getting the smokes and I remember the spinner rack was right by the register it was on the left and I remember him looking as the guy was ringing him up and he starts spinning around and he grabs two books and pays the fellow and he comes out to the car and he gives me a, a shadow and a Batman comic and I was like oh my wow. god this was so cool and I, I know I have gotten comics prior to that but it was like those yeah. were the ones my dad bought me so it was like a bigger yeah. event so yeah. I think the barbershop was another place I got my comics, too, because I'd get a haircut at Rocky's, and he had a big basket in the corner that had mostly, like, Casper and hot stuff and kid, yeah, yeah. kid books. But there's some Marvels in there, and I remember getting uh, a Spider-Man meets the Gibbon. I think it's issue 115. Yeah. Was so, like wait, the here's first the question, though. If what? he gave you a really bad haircut, did he let you take two comics? Yeah, no, 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 no. And you know what? I could tell... I. He, he Sorry, let me. Kid. Your ear won't grow back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, hopefully you'll grow up with them funny Next books. Time we'll grow your hair a little over your ear to cover the tip. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Everybody likes that long hair on one side. It's it's it's, it's big with the hippies. Uh, I remember getting Life magazine from that store, that barbershop, and it had Disney World opens, and it had a picture yeah. of the castle with all balloons in the sky. And I rem- that had to be 1971. I think that's when they opened yeah. Disney World in Florida, but. That image of, like, on Life magazine, which was this huge 11 by 14, maybe, I think it was, right, with these right. big color pictures in it, that was, like, that was the cat's pajamas or the cat's meow or something like that. I mean, so. if, I was a, if I was a kid now, yeah. I think I would have been more thrilled with the idea of these, uh, like, the uh, Marvel stuff or the DC stuff at the theme parks, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. If they the, had that the, as a kid? Yeah. We used to watch the Wonderful World at Disney on right. Sunday nights and right. stuff. But... The only thing that ever seemed interesting to me was the Hall of the Presidents, with because the, it was like, oh, they're robots. Yeah, the automatronic you know, things. Yeah. The other stuff was, you know, that was kid stuff. I, I, oh, the, I mean? the, the, the cups that spin around and the Dumbo. I was like, yeah, that's a yeah, carnival. That's yeah. no big deal. I mean, deal. I, was, yeah. I wasn't into that stuff. So, I was amazed I, by the monorail. I got it, That yeah. was this thing that was like science fiction to me. It's like it's only on one rail, and it 
doesn't use gas. It's powered right. by like magnets or something. You're right. like, what? Right. Like the Jetsons, you know? <laughs> so, and you know, they, yeah, they, 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 I was going to say they have these like these gondolas. They don't have them anymore, yeah. but they would go through the park. I do remember somewhere in Disney where there was a picture of them, like the sky thing or something. And all it was was like a little thing you'd sit in, like a ball. And it would right. be on a wire, like a ski lodge, and it would take you from one side of the park to the other. I was more amazed by that type of thing. Like, wow, yeah. look at that. You could go from one side to the other without walking. It's yeah. like you well, I mean, we had there. this in, in Milwaukee. Milwaukee had a really nice zoo yeah. in the suburbs. And they had like a little train. Yeah. It was a miniature train thing that went, you know, you could ride this thing. And it, it, you could see some exhibits that yeah, yeah. you'd see them from looking down on or whatever rather than, Oh look! There's the elephants, or there's the, you know, hippos, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that was a big thing. And it's just funny to think about how those are kind of boring, probably. Oh now, no, no, no! They had that in the Bronx you know. Zoo. I remember we took my you know kids. Saying? Like it, that, it, yeah. it seemed like a really big thing because it was a special, you know, it was a special thing. Yeah. <clears throat> but now it's like well, that, that kind of pales in comparison to some of the, you know, some of the events and some of the, you know rides and stuff like that. No, yeah. it does. It's not the same we thing. Had, when, I, when I was a kid, we did. We used to go, we used to walk downtown. We'd go, yeah. you know, like maybe a mile or whatever, we'd walk across the uh, viaduct, which went over the Milwaukee River, and uh, and went to the newsstand, and the newsstand, you know, pretty much seemed to get everything until comics expanded in, yeah. the, in probably about 74, something like that, and, uh, and it was hard to keep up. You'd have to go to different drugstores and oh, yeah, find yeah. stuff oh, yeah. that didn't make it, you know. Yeah, I didn't go to my first official comic book store until like the late 70s. And really, there was, it wasn't a real comic book store. It was a bookstore where they sold old books, like reused yeah. paperbacks and such. It was called the Paperback Trader, which was on Chapel Street, around the corner from yeah. Mr. Mike Zeck, because he was living right on the corner in an apartment building. And that was the first place, because they would have new comics like every Thursday, the guy would have like some shelves and you'd get like the Marvels and DCs before they'd be on the newsstand because they would be like two weeks before they'd hit a newsstand, they would be at this little comic specialty store. And you're like, oh, what is this place? But then there was another guy called the Space Travelers Trading Post in Derby, Connecticut on Elizabeth Street. And that's a real comic book store. It was like basically the basement of a guy's house. You know, Was that you, Dave Armstrong. Dave Armstrong, yeah, yeah. You went down the stairs. Yeah, I met him. Yeah, and there he was like a local blues singer guy. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. He worked, yeah. Yeah, and he had like all posters hanging up, and then he had a back room with back issues. And I got my Fantastic Four forty eight back there. And if he's listening, I'm very sorry, but my friend Brian Gemmel stole it, and I told him I'd tell I think the cops. Dave passed away a couple of years ago. Yeah, he did. It, I yeah. said I, I would tell the cops on him if he didn't give it to me, so he gave it to me. So that's how I have my first appearance of the silver surfer it's stolen well, yeah i mean the first comic stores were in in milwaukee the first one was the turning page and it was a guy who worked at a basically at a, at a secondhand store who yeah. kind of did that same thing you're talking about where they they were able to get books through uh phil suling yeah and they, yeah. they would have them basically they would yeah he'd pick them up he'd pick up a big package of stuff at the yep at the uh, bus station when they used to transport stuff by bus yeah. i don't know if they still do that if that's still a transport thing but he would get the books from you know the east coast and then he'd have them uh, whatever day he'd have them by uh sometimes it was like on a thursday you're right like yeah it was a, it was always a day. thursday and then i remember wednesday became the new big day you know yeah 
Yeah, but again, those all those things took they some of that took away the fun of it. Oh, looking for him. The fun of hunting for. Oh things. God, yeah, you didn't know so where. It was frustrating, yeah. you know. Uh, I, I but remember. Now we're back at that in a way, so. No, I remember getting Giant Size X Men uh, number one distinctly at a Seven Eleven down at the near the beach in West Haven. What a Slurpee with a freaking yeah. Perry White Slurpee cup, and uh, like, who the hell wants Perry White? But uh, <laughs> I got that it's fifty like cents. <laughs> yeah, well, hey kids. Forget your brainiacs and your Superman. Look at this. It's a middle-aged fat guy with a cigar and a vest on. And his tie's hanging down. That's how radical he is. Great Caesar's ghost. Anyway. Well, you know what, Jerry? I have to vacate the premises here because one of the luxuries being uh, at home during this pandemic thing is my wife's Peloton bike is about five feet from me, and she said, be off the damn phone by 4.30 because I want to go ride oh, my okay. bike. So we're going to wrap cool. it up for my wife's health so she can stay fin- <laughs> fit and trim while I can sit here like a big fat lump and talk to you on the mighty you power and, You and your rich people Peloton bike. Yeah. I, 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 when I was a kid, we just had a big wheel jacked up in the garage that we would sweat, <laughs> and my dad would put the heat on and say, come on, chubby, move those legs. But that's that's not politically correct any longer. They don't call them big wheels either. They just call them larger than normal wheels. You know. Enhanced. Enhanced. And that whole, I did get a comment last week about the episode we did about husky pants. Some guy said he couldn't stop laughing because he thought he was the only one that had to wear clothes named after large large dogs found in the, the, North, the Yukon. Hey. What do you got on there? I got some Great Danes on today. Uh, what are you wearing? St. Bernard's. Yeah, they got booze in the pockets. Yeah. <laughs> that little barrel in the backside. It comes in handy when you want some brandy. Uh, all right, that wraps up. You got anything coming out this week? Anything people could go find you on social media? At I, Jerry well, Ordway? You know I believe, I may be wrong, but I think that Man of Steel Volume 2, the hardcover reprinting <clears throat> some of the early burn and my stuff, uh, Superman stuff. I, I think that comes out this week. I did see it today on um, cheapgraphicnovels.com mm-hmm. and uh, talesofwonder.com. Those are like discount trade uh, websites. So if you want to get it, you can order it there. I'm sure Amazon will have it, but I know you can order it from or these your, guys. Or your, your local, or comic, your local book. comic book store. Yeah. Yes. All right, we'll see that. The Magic of Jerry Ordway. And then for that guy that Jerry pissed off that doesn't want to buy any more Jerry Ordway stuff, yeah. he's not going to buy it. He's not going to buy a $50 hardcover. <laughs> no, we'll wrap it up. All right, Jerry, you take care and don't get sick yep. because we got to get pizza out here sooner or later. I know, I know. Okay, buddy. All right. Take care. This has been a production of Big Fedora Marketing, LLC. The folks that bring you the terrific Comic-Con, GamerCon, and so much more. Thanks for listening.